This week when people would ask me about uh, the Florida thing, I, I, that's what I would say. You have to understand, I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to hate anybody, but I hate politicians. I'm sorry. These politicians, I, I knew what was coming right after that thing. They weren't going to lead us to heal these children and these families that have be, been involved in this. They're going to take these sides. Oh, we've got to get rid of all guns. Like, that's going to happen. What a freak show. Right? And the other side, well, you know, it's not about guns. No, we've we, we got to get a control of this thing, you know? But nobody talks common sense. Let me tell you what this is all about. A little boy, and this was a little boy. If it was your little boy that did this, he'd be a little boy. Was taken over by a demonic spirit. And he did some. I hear people say, I can't believe he did that. Of course, good. If you, if you could believe it and understand it, you got problems. All right? This is a demonic thing. You have to understand. If you actually believe in God, you believe in the devil. And if you believe in the devil, you believe in demons. Oh, well, you know, I don't want to sound like a freak. Sound like a freak for once. You know, you have to understand what this is. You know, I mean, this stuff has happened in so many people's lives. It's demonic. We need to pray over our children constantly because there are demonic forces trying to take over areas of our children and grandchildren's lives. And the bottom line is we need to be praying over that, not sitting there taking a Republican Fox News or a a CNN Democrat stand. We need to be Christians. The only hope for our country is that. it's It's not whether, you know, Fox News likes Barack Obama or whether CNN likes Donald Trump, who cares what they like? They're freaks. Okay? What counts is, is that Jesus Christ loves it all and he wants to come and do miraculous, powerful things in our lives. And we need to be praying over our kids and praying over our schools. And we need to watch these things and God will reveal these things. Okay, these are, these are important times, friends. It's time for Christians to stand up because those freaks in Washington and Harrisburg, they ain't stand up for nothing but themselves. That's all that's about. That's all that's about. Done with that, amen? But the powers of God are greater than the powers of evil. Amen? Amen? I, you gotta understand, I'm into that stuff. You know, you know why I'm into that stuff? Because Jesus was into that stuff. I mean, I love the stories when, when Jesus would walk in the room and they'd be going, oh, no, son of God. Those dudes knew who he was even when we don't. <laughs> they knew. And then Jesus cast them out. Then he sent his disciples out to cast those dudes out. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to be casting those dudes out. Amen? Oh, well, you know, we don't want the people to think we're freaks. I do. Amen? I want them to know there's a power in me they don't understand. You know? There's a power in me that that understands that, you know what? If if somebody would have been in that little boy's life, something special might have happened. Instead, Satan took over his life and the garbage of the internet took over his life and he thought going and shooting up kids would make him uh, popular for an hour. And it did. Understand what I'm saying? Christians, we're, we're bigger than politics. We're higher than politics. His ways are higher than our ways. Are you with me? You know, God, you, you guys, you gotta hear that. And we gotta be those people in this crazy world.
if um, Russell put Romans 8.16 up, uh, you, you, we'll read 8.16 in a minute. But we're going to start back in Genesis 2.18. And I, I want you to understand, God looked at Adam and said, you know what? It's just not good for you to be alone. Okay? Um, it, before I married Lisa, I'm going to be honest, it was not good for me to be alone. I mean, when my mama visited, she brought a new shower curtain because there was green stuff growing on my shower. It just wasn't good for me to be alone. You know what I'm saying? You know, it, if people showed up at the door, there was stuff flinging in the closet. You know what I'm saying? I just, it just wasn't good for me to be alone. That's nothing to do with what we're talking about, but just thought I'd share that with you, you know. And the beauty was that, that out of his body, out of his rib, he made a, a lady for him that was a perfect partner for him. And, 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 and they came together as an example of what relationships are supposed to be. Okay? And I hurt for people today because a lot of people grow up, they have no clue what a relationship's supposed to be. And, 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 and when, you know... Adam announces, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That's a powerful thought. You know, that, that's the way I feel about Lisa and my kids and, and, and my grandkids and everybody around me. And anybody that knows me, I kind of love like a freak. I, I just, I, I don't love like normal people. I, I, just, I just love and I'll do anything for you, but I'll also smack you upside the head if you're doing something stupid. And, you know, that's just, to me, that's all part of love. I'm sorry. It just, it just is. And I love 225 of, of Genesis. If you want to go read it this afternoon, it says, and they were naked and unashamed. I mean, I want you to think about that kind of a, we're not talking about pornography. We're talking about the fact that there was nothing between them. Do you imagine being in a marriage relationship or any relationship where you just knew there's nothing there? There's nothing to hide. There's, there's no hidden relationship. I mean, no hidden agendas. There's, no, there's nothing there that needs to be kept a secret. Wouldn't that be cool? And, and the love that was there was just so powerful that, you know, they, they walked hand in hand with God every day in the cool of the evening in the garden. And, and they, 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 they just knew that they could depend on each other. And, and wow. Did anybody else see how cool that would be? Well, let me help you with something. This has nothing to do with sermon, but even if the other person isn't that, you can be that person. See, so often we've got a, such a low understanding of love. If you love me, I'll love you. I'll love you to the extent you love me, and, but I'm not going above that. Let me help you with something. If you really want to be released from the garbage of this world, you become that person. You understand what I'm saying? Very, very important. Then Genesis 3 comes along and Adam and Eve have a conversation with the snake or Satan and, and they decide that, that God's kind of holding out on them. They decide they're going to take over the joint and they, they decide to do the very thing he tells them not to do. Here's the sad part. In, 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 in the end of Genesis 2, they have this wonderful, um, naked and unashamed, wonderful, pure relationship. Then all of a sudden in chapter 3, um, 
They had a relationship. Let me, let me go back. Had a relationship, this wonderful, pure relationship with God and each other and, it was, and, 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 and therefore themselves. You go to Genesis 3, they sin. And all of a sudden, they hear God coming and they're hiding in the bushes from the one they had had this wonderful, pure relationship with for so long. And who they were created to have that wonderful, pure relationship with. Are you with me? And, and they're hiding in the bushes and, and like, they're, like he didn't know. And I, that, 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 that's the most hilarious verse in the Bible to me. And, and all of a sudden, they're isolated and they're full of fear. And they hadn't been full of fear. They had no need to fear until then. And, and all of a sudden, God starts asking some questions. And instead of taking personal responsibility and saying they're sorry and repenting and, and deciding to make things right, they decide to blame each other. Aren't you so thankful that we never do that? That was a joke. Okay. You know, they've been doing that. We kind of perfect the art. I just find that most people, it's somebody else's fault. And, and if they're a mess, it's somebody else's fault. And if they're angry, it's somebody else's fault. And if they're hurt, it's somebody else's fault. And it's somebody else's fault. And it's somebody else's fault. The funny thing is, they even blame God. You know, it's that woman you gave me. You know, and there have been days. You know. <laughs> I can promise you coming back the other way, there have been many days. And then in the next chapter, they decide to manipulate some more. And they decide, Cain decides, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill my brother. And then God will like me. And then by chapter 6, evil is so rampant and so deep that men and women are, are evil all the way through to their very core um, from their youth. And that's true. And then God decides to wipe them all out. And, um, and then the sad part is, is, ain't no better after he wipes them all out. But what happened in all of that is, 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 is this disconnect in this wonderful relationship that God really wanted to have with his kids. And we all know that when that relationship is right... It impacts our relationship with others. We do know that, understand that, right? If this, if this is right, we just, it's just easier somehow, you know, when, when I'm annoying Lisa or she's annoying me. It's just easier. No, it's true. You know, we, two people living together sometimes just great on each other, you know, and it's just easier to be able to overlook and forgive and, and don't worry about it and reconcile and move on and, and and that, and that's what we were um, that's what we were created for, um, but the problem is, is that what I see today, even in the church, even in those that call themselves Christians, is this: I'm independent, I'm an island, I don't need anybody, I've been burnt, so I'm not allowing anybody to get close to me. Um, mentality. And that's real sad, folks. Because I find most people hiding in the bushes from God. I find most people blaming God and the other person. 
I find most people that are trying to manipulate life in such a way that they'll do anything to make themselves feel like they're getting somewhere. And the reality is, that's not what God wants for us. God wants us to know how much he loves us. God wants us to know that he absolutely wants to connect with us like a dad. You know, dad is what you call your father when you're not in trouble. Hi, dad. When you're in trouble, it's, hello, father. You know, and that's the relationship God wants. And it's the relationship here that we've been talking about for quite a few weeks. And we'll talk about it for a few weeks more. It's called being adopted by God. And it's called being connected to the one. That's, you, you need to understand. I talked the first week, we, we talked about this, how much I love my son. Okay? And you have to understand There isn't anything I won't do for my son unless he's being stupid. Amen? You know? And, I mean, I'll die for my son. I'll lay down my life every day for my son. And I think by now he probably knows that. And I probably annoy him in that sometimes. But that's who I am. And you need to understand something. You multiply that times a million or infinity and you just begin to understand how much your heavenly dad loves you. The question is not whether he loves you. The question is whether you'll let him. I've done some dumb things in my life, and I've come back to my dad, and my dad always says this, I will do anything you need me to do. I will always be there for you until you decide just to kind of rebel and do your own thing. Then you're on your own. I'm still there, but I'm not investing in something that's stupid. And that's basically where your heavenly father is. But I want you to understand today, no matter where you may be spiritually, maybe no matter where you may be in this relationship, I want you to understand your heavenly father, his Holy Spirit desires, desires to bear witness or connect with your spirit that you're his child. Well, three of you know it. Do you get this? The creator king of the universe wants to be your dad. The creator king of the universe wants to invest his love and life in your life. The creator king of the universe absolutely if you will let him, wants to come and invest anything and everything into your lives that you need. So 
Some people ask me, well, I've, I've never felt this. And this isn't a feeling. This is a fact. Some people come to God and they're very, very, very hurting. And let me help you with something. Some people, when they get saved, some people have a good cry. Some people don't feel anything. And the reason they don't feel anything isn't because God doesn't come into their lives. They don't feel anything because right now in their lives, they ain't feeling anything. If you've just had a tremendous heartache or tragedy in your life, you may not feel anything. And let me help you with something, kids. This ain't got nothing to do with a feeling. If you're waiting for a feeling, you could be waiting a long time. Okay? I'm not a feeling person. I'm a knowing person. And if God says it, I know it. And that's where we ought to be. He says, listen, I want to let you know that dad is here. Dad always has been here. And dad always will be here. Will you let me be your dad? Back in the the book of Exodus, um, the father called um, Moses to go do something that was just stark, raving, impossible, mad. I mean, he, he called Moses in this thing called the burning bush. To go and go back to the place where you're wanted for murder. That's inspirational. Okay. And you go back there and you tell them that I'm going to take these millions of slaves you had called the Jewish people. And I'm going to take them out of your country and take them back where they're supposed to be. Now, as a human, I want to be honest, and it's okay. I think some people feel guilty for this. Moses looked at God and said, have you lost your mind? No, seriously. When God tells you to do something, not these little tidbit things that we do in the church because we know we can control that and we can do that. When God tells you to do something, he always tells you to do something you can't actually do. Are you with me there? You know? And, and let me help you with something. If you want the greatest thrill and growth in your life that you've ever had, decide to do what God tells you to do that you actually can't do and just watch and let him do it for you. It's called faith. It's a cool thing. Really, really is, you know. And Moses said, you know, are you kidding me? Those people back there, they hate me. They want to kill me. They want me for murder. You want me to go back there, go to the Pharaoh and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize, but I'm taking away all your slaves. And God says, yeah. And his heavenly dad looked at him and said, you need to understand, I am who I am. Now, doesn't that just thrill your heart? What he was saying there is, listen, I created 
everything there is. And if it's created, I created it. And the bottom line is, if it gets broke, I can fix it. Are you with me? And if we need it and I haven't created it yet, here's the cool part. I can just say it and create it. Bada bing, bada boo. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's what that means. You know, the actual definition of that is the self-existent one. In other words, there's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he can't create. There's nothing impossible in him. And when you go to the Pharaoh and when you go to the leaders of the Jews that you're going to lead out of Egypt, I want you to tell them, I am has sent me. And they all went, whoop do!" Because they really didn't understand what he was saying. But here's the cool part. When Moses decided to listen to his heavenly father and go, even though he thought humanly it was absolutely insane and impossible, his heavenly father, it wasn't a straight line, believe me, but his heavenly father was able to do everything he needed to be done to do the very thing he thought was impossible. Is everybody with me? Anybody awake? He did everything he needed for his heavenly father to do. That's what he did. And they came marching out of Egypt, not just marching, but they came marching out of Egypt full of good stuff because the people actually gave them stuff to go. And then there's David. David had an awesome relationship with the Heavenly Father. He did. I mean, he was called, I've never figured this, I don't understand all this, but he was called a man after God's own heart. I'd like to have that title, wouldn't you? A woman after God's own heart. You know, if you're a woman. If you're a man, you want a man after God's own heart, you know? You, know, you, know, you understand, I, I try to keep those separate. I try to be relevant. But then one day, human David got up on a roof and saw a very beautiful woman taking a bath. And he committed adultery with her. And that was one of the big ten, wasn't it? Ten commandments, get it? Big ten. Thought I want to help some. Some of you are looking at me like, what? And then he decided to do another Big Ten by manipulating the situation. That's a word you need to see and understand. Every time we start to manipulate the situation, things get all bungled up in a mess. Did you ever notice that? He decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to have her husband killed by sending him out and he's going to get killed in the war. Then I can have her and everything will be okay. The problem is... There was this little prophet named Nathan. Little jerk. You always got these people got a nooch in there and mess things up when you got this wonderful plan. 
Nathan comes and tells him this story about this big dude that took everything this little dude took. And, and, and he, you know, and, and David said, well, we need to kill that guy. And Nathan looked at him and said, I'm sorry, Bubba. You're that man. And David went, rut-row. David didn't just go, well, Lord, forgive me and move on. David spent a whole night repenting before God. And let me help you with something just as a parenthesis. That sin never left him. He was forgiven. He went on. He was restored. And he was the greatest king that Israel had ever had or has ever had. But as you read the Psalms, you constantly read about that sin nagging in his heart. Are you with me there? You know, we need to teach our children and we need to teach our youth that, you, yeah, there's forgiveness, but that doesn't mean it's all going away. It's forgiven. It's under the blood. It's washed whiter than snow, and that's wonderful. But it never quite left his consciousness. Does that make sense to y'all? That really has nothing to do with my sermon, but I think it's important to understand. But all of a sudden, this one who had this wonderful relationship with his heavenly dad did this terrible thing. And he was restored. But man, he had to get on his face to show God that he was actually sorry for what he did. We have this flippant understanding of forgiveness today and repentance. Yo, dad, I I confess my sin. You automatically forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That cavalier attitude is not what God's looking for. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we need to get on our face and say we're sorry. You know? And then there's Peter. My man, Peter. Did anybody else relate to Peter? Peter? Peter loved Jesus, but Peter was the biggest knucklehead in human history. And he was. Just some of the stuff he said and some of the stuff he did reminds me so much of, let's see, me. Anybody with me? You know, it just just does. And and they had just fed uh, thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. I always get a kick out of that sto- those two stories in the, in the Gospels. It happens twice. And, and God takes those few little fish and a little, little bit of bread and gives thanks. But I think there's kind of a key there, don't you? He gives thanks and they feed all these people and they got big old baskets left over so they can take home and have a midnight snack. They get in their boats and they're, they're, they're going across the water. And... And all of a sudden, a big storm pops up. And they're afraid. On top of that, this thing comes walking out on top of the water toward their boat. And they're wondering, what in the world is this? And Jesus said, it doesn't really come out in our our English versions. Jesus said, it is I am. Now, our versions don't say that, but that's what it says. Ego of me in the Greek means I am. It's the same I am 
that was back in the burning bush with Moses. I'm here. Dad's here. You have nothing to fear. So Peter, Peter's like, gets a little excited, like Peter had a tendency to do, like I have a tendency to do. Maybe y'all have a tendency to do sometimes. And he says, well, let me walk on the water too. Now, let me help you with something. Don't tell nobody I said this, especially my psychologist brother. I've tried this. It doesn't work unless Jesus is there. Did you ever... <laughs> it doesn't work. Ooh, cuckoo. You know, it's all right. So Peter gets out. Of... Jesus said, yeah, come on out. Jesus gets out of the, I mean, Peter gets out of the boat and is walking toward Jesus. All of a sudden, all the wind and the waves and the splashing and the foam and everything, he starts looking around going, oh my goodness, what have I just done? As soon as he took his eyes off his heavenly dad, kerplunk, Right down the water. Fear and, you know, agitating waters himself and, oh, oh, Jesus. And his heavenly father, Jesus, walked over to him on the water. And Peter reached his hand up. And Jesus reached his hand down and pulled him up. Into the boat. Folks, your heavenly Father never leaves you. When it says that God's Holy Spirit bears witness to your spirit, it's in what we call the present tense. And do you ever notice the present is always the present? And the present is not the past, and the present is not the future, it's the present. And what it was 10 seconds ago isn't the present anymore. Now it's the present. In other words, your heavenly father wants to show you every minute of every day that he's here. He never leaves you. And he never forsakes you. If somebody moves, it ain't him. Are you with me there? You know? Here's the hard part, though. I want to know it, and I want to feel it. But the problem is, is this this bearing witness thing is in the present indicative. You see, I want it in the present active, don't you? I want to feel it. I want to know it. I want to be able to touch it. The problem is this indicative thing is kind of like a faith thing. He doesn't send notes. He just says, listen, I'm here, but you've got to be willing like Moses to do what I tell you to do. And then I can be present and active in your life. I can promise you, every person that has ever stepped out of the boat and done whatever God, the heavenly father, their heavenly dad called them to do, God never let them down. Where people get in trouble is they sit around singing kumbaya, wanting to feel him. 
He's like, why would I be active in that? That's a feeling. That's not faith. Very, very important to to understand that. But it's present, active, indicative, active. See, I don't know where you ever get in your life, but there are going to be times when you're going to take your eyes off of Jesus. You ever done it? And you know what you're going to do? Kerplunk. You ever done it? And then you're down there in life going. Because you don't know how to handle it. You don't know what to do. Where'd he go? What happened? And what I am is saying to each of us this morning is this. If you'll reach your hand up. I'll reach my hand down. And I'll pull you up out of those wind, that wind and those waves. And I absolutely will pull you back into the boat, into safety where you need to be. But you've got to be willing to believe that I'm there and put your hand up. You can count on me. I'm present. I'm there. Whether you feel me or see me or not. And if you will make that first move, I will reach down and I will do, because I'm your heavenly dad and I love you and I'm never, ever, ever going to leave you hanging. I will reach down and I will pick you up and I will provide just like I did for Moses. I will provide anything in you, anything and everything you need to do whatever crazy thing I call you to do. And just like David, maybe you failed and maybe you've really made a mess of things. And maybe you've done some of the top ten or maybe you've done some of the little ten. I don't care what ten it is. Satan is very effective in making us feel bad about it. Amen? We feel worthless. We don't feel worthy. Jesus is saying, listen, if you sincerely repent... I absolutely will pick you up and restore your life in me. Amen? And no matter how crazy it gets, I'm always there. Just reach up and I will reach down. And your heavenly dad, who never leaves you, is always present, will pull you up and love you right where you are to right where he created you to be. Amen? Amen? Let's all stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at, but you, know, you may be saying, you know what? I need my heavenly dad. There's things going on in my life that I have no idea how to handle. My heavenly dad, I need him. There's things that have happened that I don't know how to fix. There's patterns and habits in my life that I don't know how to turn around. I feel lonely. And I feel isolated. And the worst part of that is I feel comfortable 
or I've normalized my loneliness and my isolation and fear. And I just felt like today, God was saying, today's a good day to just say, enough of that. Enough of that. Today's a good day just to kind of reach up your hand. And just say, I want to be restored in the love and the grace and the power of my heavenly father. If you want that, reach your hand up. God sees those hands. I want that restoration. I want that relationship. I want to live in that power. I want to live in that joy. I want to live in that peace. I want to live in that hope. I want to live in that love. I I want to live in that healing. I I want to live in that obedience. I, I, I want God doing things in my life and through my life that are absolutely impossible. Your heavenly dad is there. Your heavenly dad wants to reach down and grab you by the hand and pick you up and restore you to safety and restore you to the, to the image and, and the life and the lifestyle and the mindset that he created you to live in. Will you just reach up? Just reach up. Just reach up. Father, this morning, we reach up. I don't know what that means for everybody else, but I kind of know what that means for me. I know some of the messes that I've made. I know some of the challenges that I struggle with. And Heavenly Dad, I know this. That without you, I have no hope. I can't get myself out of the water and the waves. I've tried. So this morning, Heavenly Dad, like Moses, I'm willing to step out and do whatever you call me to do. And be whoever you call me to be. And like David, Lord, I repent. I repent. I'm sorry. But I need you to make the change. I need you to help me to make the turn. I need you to transform. Because you're the only hope of God. And like Peter, who just seemed to make a mess everywhere he went. You sent him from that time. And you used him to do great and powerful and mighty things. And that's what I want to do for you, God.
So, Father, today, we thank you that you're always there, whether we feel you or see you or can touch you or define or articulate you at all. And I am so thankful that even when I'm not sure what you're doing, you are active in my life. You will do your will in my life. You will do your will through my life. I praise you. I thank you that my heavenly dad is always here. Always will be. With his hand reaching down to love me where I am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And all God's people said, amen.